Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our topic today is supporting bereaved families making the necessary decisions of loss, and our guest is Karen Nee. Karen is a bereaved parent whose son, James, 19, died in a car accident on July 8, 2003. She and her extended family, including surviving son, Robert, have worked to create a nonprofit organization, Memory Jar, to help other families facing death. From funeral planning to memorializing their loved ones and grief resources, Karen's primary goal is to honor her son by helping others during this very difficult time. Additionally, Memory Jar is working on creating a program to help families in need to bury their children in Orange County, California. Although her grief journey is still in the early stages, there is a certain peace that she and her family obtain knowing that her son is being honored with each family they help. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. Thank Hi, you. Karen. It's great to have you on the show. Thank and, you so uh, much. Have you talk about your organization. You're in California. Uh-huh. And tell us about how you got started. You know, I know it's still very new, and I'm still experiencing all the different stages. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, but anyway, um, when um, James died, it was actually the first funeral I'd ever attended. So um, you can imagine that I didn't have any clue what was to actually occur and you're in the greatest state of shock and numbness that can a person can ever experience so you can't really think that clearly and I'm I'm very very fortunate that I have just a phenomenal family and wonderful circle of friends and we were able to put together um, we had three days to do it put together the funeral and the burial and um, a gathering afterwards and then what was really important to me is I just didn't want anybody to forget my son. I, and I still feel that, that way vehemently today. So I would search the Internet and, um, you know, read books and look for ideas. And I realized that everything was so scattered around. And at that frame of mind, when you're, you know, shocked and numb and you don't have much time, how could a person ever put together a tribute that was really um, indicative of that person's life? And I realize there's got to be other people in the same position as me that don't know where to turn. So that maybe I can kind of pull all the, you know, all these resources together. Now, when did you decide this? It was actually fairly close after James died. I'd say maybe three or four months. Uh huh. Because I was, I mean, I was listening to, you know, you talk about um, Bill's book with um, the blue moth and how his way of grieving was, you know, riding his bike. Right. Mine was creating. Items, you know, <clears throat> candles, bookmarks, decorating his grave, all these different more creative expressions. Now, have you been into that before, doing candles and things? Um, you know, just some level. Yes, I've always been kind of a creative. I'm not going to say I'm an artist, but just always creating. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted a little bit of James in people's lives all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it kind of it, it started evolving from there and just pulling together ideas and then, I also had the same situation when I planned the funeral. I mean, I'd never even thought about what would be appropriate music or scripture readings or poetry. And I was, I I hate to use the term, but I was at the mercy of whatever was available to me at the funeral home. I mean, there's just volumes of beautiful things out there that I could have, you know, tailored a little more personalized for my son. Well, there's so many major decisions you have to make about a funeral Uh when you're at the lowest point of your life. Yes. It's very overwhelming. Oh, 
yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if it wasn't particularly the bereaved parent that, that did all these little details, even if others in the family knew about it, um, you know, they could go to, you know, our website and, and help, uh, you know, find things that were more appropriate for, you know, the person that died. And so you've got your website that people can go to. And right. It's, do you want to give us that? It's uh... um, it's www.memoryjar.org. And there's kind of a, a cute story that goes in the naming of the company. Um, my son James was, I mean, an entrepreneur from day one. And he was always figuring out ways to make money and things like that. So I thought, wouldn't it be cute if I could, you know, call this place, you know, James's Place or James's Store, and all those names were taken on the Internet. So I put out an email to my family and friends that we got to come up with a cute name. And they knew that I was, you know, always collecting memories and things like that. So um, my sister Lynn and her son Michael played around with words and came up with memory jar. And um, the word jar are my son's initials, James wow. Anthony Rodriguez. Ah, and it kind of went along the lines. We, we produced a jar where you can put, um, you know, either collecting memories at the funeral where people just write little notes or you, your greeting cards can fit in there or, you know, if it was putting your loved one's favorite cookies or candy. But um, it just it's just a kind of a pleasant way to have them right in front of you and to um, reinforce the in- importance of keeping those memories because that's all you have now. That's mm-hmm. all you have. So on your site you have your memory jar and then you have um, uh, different, tell us what's on that site besides that, planning a funeral, music. Um, yeah, we give a lot of details on, um, you know, planning the funeral um, from, you know, scripture selections. Um, we actually even have something called a funeral checklist. I know it sounds kind of silly, but um, when I was planning James's funeral, there were so many integral parts that I was never informed about. For example, submitting an obituary and uh, you know, how do you even begin to write something like that? <clears throat> um, writing a eulogy and just different ways to start collecting the memories at the funeral because that's when you have actually the best group, you know, people coming from all over all over to give their final respects. And they might have a silly little story that right. you would never have known about. So, so with our audience out there whose children have already died, maybe they planned the funeral, you're saying oh. that they could have a little memory jar now when people come to visit? Where they could put in some memories, too? Yes. I know with mine, I have um, the cards that I continually receive from my friends and family. Just And I just stick them in the jar. And I'll tell you, I get a lot of peace and comfort just seeing all those warm wishes and knowing that people are remembering my son. Mm-hmm. Right. Wonderful. Well, uh, we have uh, someone who's called in. Actually, I asked her to call in, Susan Frazier. Hi, Susan. Hi, how are you? And Susan uh, has a a business that she has formed, too. And your son died? My son died on Mother's Day in 95. Uh He was drowned? No, no. He passed away in a swimming pool, but he had um, hypertrophic cardiac myopathy, Mm -hmm. which meant that um, over a period of about seven years, which was undetected, his heart had grown closed, and um, he was just swimming across the pool and Uh died. Wow. Well, could you tell us about your organization and how did you get started with that? Well, um, I had um, I had started selling keepsakes, uh, keepsakes as uh, pendants and um, mainly pendants to hold either a bit of cremains or a lock of hair, um, things like that. And and our company um, formed into InTheLightEarns.com. And In the Late Urns is now a company that offers about 450 urns and keepsakes. And we're always um, striving to offer personalization because, um, 
there were really wasn't a lot out there before we came along. We really did um, pioneer quite a few unusual keepsakes that um, could, you know, help one feel closer to the person they lost with something that was um, a, a close um, remembrance of what they enjoyed. Right, and this fits in with our continuing bonds, right, Heidi? Both uh, yeah. the, ur- both the uh, memory jar and the mm-hmm. urns. Absolutely, and I had a, a question about, with for both Karen and Susan, do funeral homes have access to your website so when someone walks in and they're grieving and they, they don't even have the wherewithal to go on the Internet, they can say, okay, these are two sites you need to log on to at this point to in order to, you know, help your, help this process, in order to help you along the way and give you information? I mean, how do, or do people have to be proactive and go on the Internet and find you? Well, as far as In the Light Urns, um, that is a retail site, and we do have a mm-hmm. site, unitedurns.com, and that's for funeral homes, and we do trade shows, and they do come to our website, and they do purchase product from us. But oh, the way funeral homes usually find us is that they just get on the Internet and find our retail site, or people find our retail site. But quite often, funeral directors just don't have um, the variety that um, people want, and they tell their clients to go online and look. Mm-hmm. And okay. we get that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about you, uh, Susan? You know, I, um, I, I'm, I'm so much um, newer to this than Susan is. Um, I've really only been live for about four months. and I've been testing the waters with um, the funeral homes, but um, I haven't had much success there. I've had better luck with um, hospice organizations and mm-hmm. social workers Very in the good. hospitals that they give this immediately to the families. First of all, I'd like to talk a little bit about how how uh, Susan Fraser got into the business of the light urns business. We know from uh, Karen Nee that she got into it after her son James died uh, to help other families. Uh, Susan, how did you start your business and when? Um, I guess I started, I was, it was about five years after my son died before I did start. And... Um, the keepsakes were really important, and I had done every, I had done all kinds of things to remember my son. Each year, we did something special at Christmas, and and there what was did just, you do? People are going to want to know what what special we, things did you we do. We made a Christmas ornament every year, uh-huh. and this year um, we did eleven years of the ornaments, <laughs> and then this year, twelfth year, we did a teddy bear. And that, on our website, we do offer uh, teddy bears made from um, the deceased clothing, and I finally right. had my teddy bears made. Uh, on his birthday in May this year, and um, so people can send in all their deceased child or some of their deceased yeah. child, some of their yeah. clothing, yeah. and then you make a teddy bear for them. I like right. That. I had his Boy Scout uniform because he was a senior patrol leader when he passed away, and I had his baptism outfit and little Oshkosh Bigosh jeans that I saved, and all kinds of little things that um, he had worn in his older, you know, uh, shorts that the, the kids wore, and he was it was ninety five when he passed, so. They were really just getting into big T-shirts and baggy pants and backwards caps, and mm-hmm. and so we incorporated all of that, and he enjoyed that. And, now, uh, can you, if you did have a cremation, can you put cremains? Is that what they're called in yeah. the teddy bear? Everything that we offer holds either cremains, a lock of hair, crushed flowers, earth from a grave. So my son wasn't cremated; he was buried. And at that time, um, we had had, you know, as everyone does in their family deaths. Uh, well, most people do have deaths throughout their family, and. And burial was the way we always went. If, if I'd had a choice today, I would have had my son cremated. But um, I, I didn't at that time even know much about cremation. And I, I think it's um, 
personally, I think it's it's the way to go. It's a cleaner it's a cleaner way, and you have so many ways to remember a person. You can scatter their ashes on a mountaintop in the ocean. Uh, you can keep them at home with you, and you know. So there's a lot of a lot of different ways you can. Yeah, a lot of personal choices to be made Absolutely. at this time, which gets yeah. me to Karen. What about these personal choices that people are trying to make? You're trying. You help them. Um, you know, I I try at this level at this point not to get too involved in people's personal issues. I mm-hmm. prefer to remain just a resource. Like, you know, if you need to make that decision, why don't you look at this or read this? Now, how do you interface with people mostly through the internet? Yes, I get a lot of emails. Yes, uh-huh. and so you're not connected up. Do people come to you early, Susan, or? It depends. Um, I've I have I had a woman phone phone yesterday who, uh, and we work with people on pets, and she called yesterday, and she had a really hard time getting out the dates of her dog, the Wonder Dog. She called him that she wanted engraved on the plate, and she was giving me the year he passed, and she said November 2005, and I said, is that six? And she said no, and she's in tears telling me a year ago her dog passed away. So um, in, with cremation, people don't have to make an immediate decision. Some people do and some people don't. Sometimes they just get the cremains in the temporary plastic box, and they keep it at home, and they try to decide what to do. You know, everybody couldn't be there for a service. Should we wait a year and scatter the ashes? Or they want to do it right away. They want it interred. They want them buried. They want an urn. They need keepsakes overnighted. Um, so everybody's different. Uh huh. So everybody has a unique uh, difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, tell me, both of you. I was going to ask you, what do you see as being some of the biggest challenges for parents? You know, it's. I think it's time for us to go to break now. Hmm. Trying to see if it is. Um, I guess I'll tell me if it is. So go ahead. <laughs> what do you see some of the biggest challenges? I would say for this, this is Karen. I would say for um, it still comes back to our culture just isn't comfortable with talking about death. Mm-hmm. And I surround myself with a lot of other bereaved parents, and um, that that gives me you know the peace and, and helps me get through the day many 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 times. But boy, you go outside of that little cocoon of um, understanding. And I start talking about James or the things that I'm doing to memorialize them or talking about them. And there's a huge level of discomfort amongst others. Right. And and how about you? Do you see that same thing, Susan? No, I would say the most difficult thing for parents is that it never goes away. The grieving mm-hmm. never goes away. And people think that, oh, it, it's been 10 years, it, it must be better. It's always there. It's now, have you, tried, have you gone out to a group at all? And I was wondering if... Uh, Karen, I have it, my daily therapy. <laughs> yeah, Karen, is it Compassionate Friends that you're uh, connected with? Or? I have done Compassionate Friends. I do Compassionate Friends, and I also um, have another independent grief group, and I have done a lot of therapy in the last three years, mm-hmm. a lot, and I will continue it the rest of my life, I, I assume. How about you, Karen? Uh, I mean, Susan, have you done um, any, like, Compassionate Friends or any group things, I wondered? No. Mm-hmm. I just talk to people every day who lose people. Mm-hmm. I have people who call and they've lost a son who's a similar age or a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm talking to people all the time. You know, they tell me theirs. I, t- I mean, I don't open up until um, somebody does want to talk. And then I tell them I understand I've lost a son as well and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it's not a daily thing that I tell people about my own son, obviously. But um, I am dealing with people who are grieving every day. So, and it's good to interface with people that have been through what we've been through because then we know that we're not alone and mm-hmm. then it's normal that the pain lasts mm-hmm. 
you know, such a long time, and it, and it changes over time, but it's all, you always miss that person. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And it's it's so interesting, too. I love hearing how you both uh, are doing things. You're kind of moving along, and you've taken different, you know, roads. Uh, you're not doing a grief group, and, and uh, Karen is. And I think it's so important for our audience to hear this because it's my experience that sometimes you'll have a husband and a wife, and the, the husband will say, you've got to go to group. There's no, you know, and the and the wife doesn't want to go or vice versa. And, and we can, you know, we grieve in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's been great to have Susan on, wasn't it? She's uh, really inspiring. But you uh, talked about how you and Karen met, and I think we ought to talk about that a little bit because it has something to do with siblings. Okay. Um, let's see, Karen. We met We met in July at the Compassionate Friends Conference, right? Isn't that Correct. where we met? Uh-huh. I went to hear your um, your session because I was curious about how siblings grieve because I was um, worried about my, son, my surviving son, Robert. Yeah. So I, so I gave a workshop to the parents about their teens and young adults and how they grieve and what they're going through because a lot of times they're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. As you all know, I mean, they're not really saying how what's going on for them. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so that is how we met, and I guess when, listening to the show, the thing that keeps coming up for me in my head over and over, and I wasn't really sure how to put it out there, because you know, I'm always the gadfly here, because I'm the sibling voice, and so what comes up for me is some of the, some of the siblings tell me that there's too many reminders around the house, and that um, it's overwhelming, that they need places that they can go to get away from the grief sometimes, and they don't want memorials in every single room, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to put that out there. I wondered how that was for your son, if you ever felt like it was too much or, or if you were able to balance it and for your surviving son, Robert. You know, he's never really said anything to me about it. And, you know, I told you I'm kind of the creative type. So, yes, there are a lot of reminders. And, of course, um, I attached very quickly onto the butterfly theme because it symbolizes everlasting life and a lost child. So everybody calls me the butterfly lady now. Um, and yet my son, Robert, at, at every holiday or birthday, I get something with a beautiful butterfly on it. That's nice. So, you know, he definitely um, is reinforcing, you know, my grief mm-hmm. and that I that he wants me to remember James also through the butterfly. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I have a butterfly tattoo on my ankle. I don't know if you saw it when I was lecturing, but, but um, you know, for me, the butt, you saw it? Yes. Okay. That we had a bond. <laughs> yeah, the butterfly bond. For me, it originally symbolized the death of my brother and my brother and my cousin, Matthew, mm-hmm. leaving this world before their time. Mm-hmm. Now it symbolizes those that, have, that, those that have left and new life that has come in. Yes. New people that have come in that I've met along my journey, that have come into my family, new people that I meet. So it's people leaving and people coming in. It's two ways now, which is very healing for me. You know, that's a really key point that I learned after James died. Someone said early on, you're going to get a new address book. And I didn't really understand Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you, in the last three years, I have met some of the most unbelievable human beings. Mm -hmm. People have come into your life also. Yeah, and if you're going to talk about something good coming out of, you know, the horror of losing a child... I can say that I have just the most wonderful circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you just see human beings at a whole different level of compassion and love. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly what you're saying, Heidi, exactly. Yeah, and it was interesting, Compassionate Friends, because this year, were you there for the butterfly release? I had to leave. I had to catch a plane back to California. Oh. Okay, well, Mom, it was amazing, right? They released, what, how many what? butterflies, Mom? I don't know. 500 or something? Well, it was interesting. Like 
is you saw the butterflies leave, but then you'd see some of them come back and mm-hmm. land on you. <laughs> yeah, they were constantly kind of leaving, and there oh. were some coming back as well, which, you know, it, just, it was interesting to me from... I have a lot of little nieces and nephews, and if a butterfly will flutter by, they'll go, Hi, James! <laughs> and I just love that. Well, Karen, it's almost time to, uh, to close our show, and I want to say it's great that in, what, two years you've been able to start Memory Jar, and I hope that the organization goes on to be very successful Thank and you. very hopeful and helpful to those people who have lost children. Thank you. And uh, best wishes to your family and particularly to your uh, son, in his journey along with his with his mom. And Heidi and I will be having a new book coming out in the spring called What Parents Need to Know to Help Their Grieving Teens. And, and if there's one thing, since you are so, you're kind of where a lot of our listeners are as far as you've only been three years away from the death of your son. If there was one bit of advice that you would give your the listeners as far as what's helped been helpful, what do you think that would be? Oh, um. So many things, but I would say first and foremost to um, surround yourself with other parents who have lost children. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any substitute for um, you know being able to be true and real to every all these processes that are going on inside of you, unless you're with people that understand. Uh, thank you, Karen. That's a wonderful thought to close with, and it's, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.